We're going to go to the book of 1 Samuel in your Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter number 8. The book of 1 Samuel and chapter number 8. When you find that, if you'd stand with us for the reading of the Word of God in honor of God's Word. <clears throat> Excuse me. 1 Samuel chapter number 8. And if you'll follow along, I'm going to read. I'm going to read. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and read the whole chapter. It's only 22 verses. won't take long. Um, let's look at it. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse number 1. And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of the second Abiah. And they were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre or money, and took bribes and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah, and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now therefore hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked uh, of him a king. And he said, This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen, and some shall run before his chariots. And he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties, and will set them to uh, ear his ground and to reap his harvest, and to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be confectionaries, and to be cooks, and to be bakers. And he will take your fields, and your vineyards, and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. And he will take the tenth of your seed, and of your vineyards, and give to his officers, and to his servants." And he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your goodliest young men and your asses and put them to work to his work. He will take the tenth of your sheep, and ye shall be his servants. And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king, which ye shall have chosen you. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, Nay. But we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Hearken unto their voice, and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go ye every man unto his city. 
I want to try to preach this morning on this subject. When man rejects God. When man rejects God. Let's pray. We'll get going. Father, one last time, we just ask for your help. Um, we need it, Lord, to present this message just the way you'd have it done. Uh, that unction that only you can give. <clears throat> excuse me, clarity of mind and speech. And I pray for the hearts of the people that are here. They'll be open to whatever you would speak to them about. And if there's someone here that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, I pray, Lord, that you would speak very clearly to them, as only you can, uh, to bring them to that place of the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, work in our midst today. We plead the blood of Jesus over this place, that you would make it a sanctuary where your spirit can move, and that your will would be done. And we'll thank you for whatever is accomplished, for we ask all of this in the perfect name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the Word of God. And please do be seated. Here's a principle that's given as we get into this, this thought first. That which we allow in moderation, our children will do in excess. It's, just, it's a fact. It's just absolutely the truth. Whenever we reject the one true God, we automatically accept other gods. When, when the one true God goes out, a false God comes in. I'll say it, it's impossible to remain neutral. It's absolutely impossible to remain neutral. There are only two forces in this world. We know that's true, good and evil. Only two forces. And if we choose to reject God, He will eventually permit it. We read it there in verse 9. He says, Now therefore hearken unto their voice. So God instructed Samuel to heed what the Israelites were wanting during that time. And we need to remember this. Saul, the first king, was from the tribe of Benjamin. I mean, he, he was from God's chosen people. But just because someone may wear the name tag of religion doesn't necessarily mean they have God's approval. A lot of what uh, you see today in the realm of Christianity really is not of God. Many of those practices are just men's preferences and what they would like for us to believe, contrary to what the Word of God says. So here God changed the entire government structure of Israel, not because it was going to be best for them, no, 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 but because of their consistent whining and complaining. No, He gave them what they wanted, but not because it was going to be the very best for them, but because they just continued to whine and complain until they got their way. When anyone rejects God's word or God's will or his wisdom, they can expect the worst. It's not going to turn out best in the long run. It never will, never has, and never will. Because when you reject the truth, you automatically accept an untruth or a lie. Um, God's will and way are always right, no matter what anyone, if anyone accepts them or if anyone follows them, it doesn't matter. His will and his way are always right. They're always right. So I want to show you some of the attitudes and the results that occurred because the children of Israel rejected what God had for them. And it all started with their impatience. Well, what do you mean, preacher? Well, they said, give us a king to judge us. Moses had told them time past that um, God's plan was to give them a king in due time. 
that in his time he was going to give them a, a king. We can look back at Deuteronomy 17 verse 14 says this, When thou art come unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shalt possess it, and shalt dwell therein, and shalt say, I will set a king over me, like as all the nations that are about me, thou shalt in any wise set him a king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose. One from among the bre- thy brethren shalt thou set king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. So God was going to give them a king, but it wasn't time for that to happen yet. God's timing's always perfect. Always perfect. And well, it wasn't time to happen yet. Okay, let me ask you this. How many of us have made major mistakes in our life trying to rush God into something? Trying to hurry God up along the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. It can be, it can be bad. It can be really bad. Uh, Abraham asked, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Over in Genesis chapter 18. Well, I'm here to tell you, we know he will do right. No, no, no. We know God will do right. But so many times we do not have the patience to wait on his perfect plan. But he does have a perfect plan, no matter what. And here's the thing. God's plan for us may not always be understood initially. We might not always understand it. We see things one way. God sees things a complete different way. He sees things from the beginning all the way to the ending. We just see things as they are. Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Impatience will cause you to make major mistakes in the decision-making process. Impatience will cause you to accept less than God intended for you to have. And we know this for sure, patience is a virtue, but it's one that most people do not possess. We need it, we just don't like the process of getting it. What do you mean, preacher? Romans chapter 5 verse 3 says, And not only so, but we we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience and experience hope. So we see that patience comes through tribulation or hardships, And sometimes there's nothing else we can do but be patient. Just be patient. Uh, You know, it's really good for our children to have it tough at times. I'm going to say that again. It's very, very good. It's very, very good for our children to have it tough at times. And if you protect them from every little trial, then you're going to be hindering them from having patience that they'll need as they grow older. It's good. It's good to tell your children no at times and make them wait. It's good. It's a very good thing to teach them that lesson. You know, the word wait is used 106 times in the Bible. In Psalm 27, verse 14, the Bible says this, Wait on the Lord. (laughs) That's good advice. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. We know that impatience will cause us to make mistakes that we may end up paying for dearly in the long run. We know that Saul's impatience in offering a sacrifice at Gilgal, it cost him his throne. If we go on to 1 Samuel 13, verse 11 says this, And Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. Therefore I said, The Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. 
thou hast not kept the commandment of thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. Here's the thing. Saul knew what he was doing was not right. No, he, no, no. no. He, he knew that he was going out of the boundaries of God, what God had set for him. He knew it was not right. And notice, I'm sure you noticed there that Samuel, that Samuel told Saul in verse 13, for now would the Lord have. Here's what he was saying. Or, or had it not been for this time of disobedience, the Lord was going to establish your kingdom forever. <clears throat> One commentator said it like this. No one can tell the evils which may result from a single act of known disobedience to God. I'm going to say it again because I think he said it very well. No one can tell the evils which may result from a single act of known disobedience to God. You know, once God gives us a knowledge of what is right and what is wrong, he really does expect us to do our best to try to live the right way. And to abstain from the wrong way. No, he really does expect that. <clears throat> Saul placed himself in a position of a priest. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't appointed by God. He assumed a position that just was not his. I'm here to tell you, that's why it's never good for a church member to assume the position of a pastor. <laughs> You know, there's a lot of churches out there that think that the men of the church are supposed to oversee the work of the pastor, that they're supposed to run the pastor, but that's not what the Bible teaches whatsoever. Samuel was not doing things the way that Saul thought he should do things, and so he took it upon himself to take over. But because of that, God brought great consequences upon him, even though he was a king. Even though he was a king. Well, I'm the king. I'm able to do anything. Are you not able to go against God? Oh no, it's never right for anyone to go against God. It's not right. And so he had to pay the consequences for that, just like you and I will pay cons the consequences if we decide that we are going to take the place of what God has said. Impatience can lead, really impatience can lead you into a lifetime of misery if you're not careful. But in this we also see their idolatry. We read there in verse number 7, And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, God says to Samuel the priest, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. So we know that idolatry had followed them all the way from Egypt in their days of slavery. And the children that were born in Egypt while they were there in captivity had seen the idols of the world and they grew up accepting those idols. And by the time we get to our text where we are this morning, the entire nation of Israel is involved in idolatry. There had been nearly 400 years since they left Egypt. And in verse number 8 again says, where, where, wherewith they have forsaken me, and served other gods. You know, idolatry is not a problem just found in the lives of the children of Israel. We find it in our churches today. It's very prevalent. A lot of people worship a church building, and I thank God 
for what he has given us here. But this is not a museum to be adored. This is a hospital for sin sick and hurting people. Amen. This is a place that is to be used to tell people about the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to use it for God's glory and we are to help people to know the Lord and the truths of this Bible. Some people worship sports. But when someone begins to put sports in front of coming to the house of God at the appointed times, they're teaching their children, please listen to this, they are teaching their children that sports are more important than God. And the outcome of that, I can guarantee you, will not be good. It's not going to be good. And some people just worship their children. No, no, no. Their children take precedence over the things of God and over the church. But I've never seen that turn out well. Never seen that turn out well. It's crazy. Some people worship their vehicle. Well, you know, preacher, Sunday's the only day I have to clean it up and work on it. And and I really just didn't want to get the car out in the rain. Look, I, I, I really like my truck, but it's not important enough to keep me from going to church. Yeah. Some worship the lake. And we're close to lake season, aren't we? I mean, we're there. And I thank God we don't have many here who have a problem with this. But if you do, and you put going to the lake on weekends before God, then you're following after other gods. Yeah. And then some people worship money. But money's just a tool. It's just a tool. And a tool can be used for good or it can be used for bad. God gives us what He gives us to sustain us, of course, and to give us the opportunity to help His work. I'm thankful He does. And to place more emphasis on money than just as a tool is to uh, just as a tool to accomplish God's will and way of uh, uh, in your life is to worship the tool. But we're not to worship the tool. I mean, that would be no different than going out in your in your shed and bowing down to your lawnmower in worship. <laughs> We don't worship the tool. No, 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 no. The love, the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money. Not money, just the love of money. You know, it's no wonder that our young people struggle. I mean, they've seen, they've seen the adults put everything in the world before God and before His work. So it just becomes natural for them. You know, mom and dad do it. Can't be that big of a deal. I mean, I, you know. <clears throat> I'm here to tell you, you need to make God the most important thing in your life, and it will help your children to make Him the most important thing in their lives. Very important. But we also see their instruction, the people's instruction in this, in verses 9 through 17. Notice what Samuel did when the people announced that they were going to reject God. Excuse me, and what God wanted. It says he prayed to the Lord. He wouldn't talk to God about it. But the, but the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. I, I love this. God's relationship with Samuel is not affected by the decision of the Israelites. No, just because everybody else was wanting something other than what God had, it didn't affect Samuel's relationship with God. He wasn't going to let that pull him away from God just because they didn't want what God wanted for him. No, 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 no. I love it. We all have access to God on a personal basis. Absolutely. So we do not have to allow what others are doing to affect our walk with God. No, we have to be strong in His might. 
and just continue to do what God would have us to do, no matter what everybody else is doing, to make sure that we have that good relationship with God. And so Samuel prays, and God gives him instruction to give to the people. God, God tells them, God tells them what's going to happen to them. <clears throat> in fact, he spells it out really in great detail. He starts off with this, verse 11. It says, and he said, this will be a, the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, to be his horsemen. And some shall run before his chariots. Now, there are five words here that should have opened these people's eyes for sure. These five words should cause any parent to wake up and listen and make whatever changes are necessary. He will take your sons. If someone had told me what Samuel told the children of Israel, I would have listened intently. Well, he's going to do what? Wait, 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 wait. God's going to let you give us king, but he's going to do what? Maybe we need to think this thing out. Y'all still with me here? No, no, really. Why would they continue in the same way with the knowledge that the new king is going to take their sons for himself? It's really crazy. Humanism has taken people's sons from them and their daughters too. I'm telling you, no, no, this system has stolen children away. I don't know if I'm following you there, preacher. Well, every student in public school is taught that they can make their own decision just as good or even better than their parents. Uh, They're also encouraged to go outside of their parents for counsel and help. And this is a very broad subject. We could go in a dozen different directions with this thought. They're They're taught to question religious teaching. Most universities today will advise the students to flee from any organization that teaches Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. And many professors today condemn a Bible believer and they'll mock those who hold to biblical views and they'll attempt in every way that they can to make Christians look like imbeciles. No, it's happening all across our country and around the world, absolutely. But he also tells them in verse number 13, he will take your daughters to be confectionaries, to be cooks, to be bakers. I really believe that humanism has made a slave of our daughters, many daughters today. A great percentage of unwed mothers are in their teens. They've been made a slave to something that they were not prepared to do. The information highway that's out there has given information to our young people that they did not, that they did not need to know yet. Sexual perversion is everywhere on the internet. And even those grade school, no, no, even those of grade school age are tempted to experiment with things that they have no business doing. It's happening everywhere. And then girls are thrown into the workforce and end up in compromised positions out there, learning things, being tempted in ungodly ways. No, no, no. I I have watched young ladies. I've watched young ladies go down the tubes and end up completely out of the will of God because they took jobs out in the world and they didn't protect themselves enough. Dad, mom, you you better be mindful of what's going on if you have a daughter out there because they may be in over their head. Better be careful. But he also uh, told them that uh, this king is going to take your belongings. 
Verse number 14, and he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. And he will take a tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and his servants. And he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your goodliest young men and your asses, your donkeys, and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your sheep and ye shall be his servants. So no longer are they giving tithes and offerings to the Lord. No, no, now it's going to go to the king. Everything's going to go to the king or the government. (laughs) And the government's going to do with it what he wants to do with it. You give us your money and we're going to do what we want to do with your money. 1 Samuel 8, 18 says this, And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king which ye shall have chosen you. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. <clears throat> I can't believe we've done this. Oh, some probably started, well, I can't believe this. Man, look, we, we, we got this king and we thought it was going to be good and now everything's just falling apart. Who did this to us? Ma, you did. Well, how can you say that? Well, God had a plan, and it wasn't good enough for you. Come on, come on. Think about it. Wasn't good enough. You, you wanted something different than what God had for you. And so now you're in this place that you didn't have to be if you would have just listened to what God said. And very apparently they cried out just complaining about what was going on, but not in repentance. Well, they wanted to gripe and whine and moan and complain about what had happened because of their own decision, but not in repentance. There's people in our land that cry out in in, in great complaint against our elected officials that are out there, but I see very few in a repenting mode coming back to God. But God still has all the answers. He's the one, absolutely solid. God and His ways are still the answer to all of our needs. Just get back to His way. But without repentance, He won't hear our cry. Well, why was that? Because they were stubborn. No, no, they, they were stubborn. I'm, I'm not trying to be ugly. It's just, it's just the truth. Look at verse number 19. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us. So here, no, 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 please listen. Here God gave Samuel the thing to tell the people of all the bad that was going to happen if they had this king. This is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. God gave him all that to give to the people. And still they chose their own way. And ended up paying the price for it. Week after week, I do my best to stand up here and declare, thus saith the Lord. 
No, no, I, I do my best not to just throw my own opinions out there or whatever, because it really doesn't matter what my opinions are. We want to know what God says. And so, thus saith the Lord, it's put out there, and then the hearers have to make a decision whether or not they're going to be doers. All the hearers. Well, who do you think you are trying to make us? Oh, stop, 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 stop. I don't try to make anybody, <laughs> I don't try to make anybody do anything. I, I give you the truth of God's Word, and you decide whether or not you're going to do what it says. It's not my responsibility to run around and make sure you're doing everything that God wants you to do. Not my responsibility. My responsibility is to proclaim, thus saith the Lord, with great prayer and hope that people will say, oh man, if God says that, then that's the way we need to go. That's what we need to be doing. But because of the but because of the uh, sphere of influence that is out there in our world today, and a lot of it over social media, dumb things that are said over social media, we think we have the right to decide to do whatever we want to do and to live however we want to live and to be whoever we want to be. Really doesn't matter what the Bible says. Really doesn't matter what all these religious kooks stand up there and holler about. I, I, I want my way. But God says, your way is going to be the way of destruction. I don't care. I want a king. I don't need God telling me what to do. I want a king. Well, who's going to be the king? I will. And I'll tell myself what I can do and not do. No, that's pretty much what goes on in society today, isn't it? I'm not, again, I'm not being ugly or pointing fingers to anybody that's in here. I'm saying that's the way it is out there. I will do what I want to do. It doesn't matter what the Bible says. doesn't matter what the preacher preaches about. does not matter what God says are going to be the consequences. I'm that special person that that's not going to happen to if I do it. I know I've seen it ruin other people's lives, but I'm that special one that if I do that, it's not going to ruin my life. I, I think the God of this world has you blinded. Because God's Word is always true. And how God says things will turn out, they will turn out. Absolutely so. That's why it's so important we just listen to Him and what He has to say. And we yield ourselves to what He would have us to do. Come on, this must be stubbornness at its greatest. I mean, nothing else could account for their decision except just being stubborn. Samuel had spent 202 words, that's what we have there, 202 words in warning them what would happen to them. And they are now in the know. They know he's going to take your sons, going to take your daughters, going to take all your stuff away from you. They're in the know because of the message from God's men, and yet they still want this godless king. There are 11 areas of disaster that's going to take place Still, they will not listen. And it just reminds me of the stubbornness in our society today. We see failure all the time of humanistic society, yet nothing changes. We do it this way. It's just going to get better and better. I don't see it getting better and better. Do you? Look, no, no, no. We see failure of a system that has no answers, yet nothing changes. We see a failure of a government that has no common sense about it, yet nothing changes. 
We see a failure in home after home after home, and some of them even Christian homes, yet nothing seems to change. If we insist on rejecting God's ideal way, surely we would learn from the failure of the system, but we don't. We just keep on heading the same direction. Well, it's just going to get better. If I just keep on, it'll get better. But we see their insolvency. Look at verse 20 again there. It says, That we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us, and go out before us, and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Hearken unto their voice, and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go ye every man, man unto his city. Their insolvency. Oh, what do you mean, preacher? If not a way bank across the street here became insolvent tomorrow, it would mean they collapsed. It would be insolvent. These people had no desire to continue in the land that God had given them. They were willing to give it all up. No, 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 no. They were, given the, they were willing to give up all that they had received from God for the little that an earthly king could give them. They were willing to give it all away. They didn't want the responsibility. Please, please listen to this. It's, it's so much today. They didn't want the responsibility that goes with living. There are certain things that go with the responsibility of living. And you can't be a real person and shun those responsibilities. What are you talking about, preacher? They wanted somebody to fight their battles. They wanted somebody to make their decisions for them. They had a lot more interest in physical, in physical desire than in spiritual requirement. And here's the sad part. God had done all of this for them for over 800 years. He had fought their battles for them. He had provided their food and clothing for them. All the necessities. And now they're sick of God. They want to change. What God's done for us just isn't good enough. And God gives them what they want. And the Lord said to Samuel, I just, I, just, I just hear this in his voice. Hearken unto their voice. Make them a king. God gave them over to their desire. No, our God that knows better and knows best and could have met all of their needs and been everything for them, He gave them over to their own desire. Sounds a lot like Romans chapter 1, doesn't it? Let me read it to you. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. The Bible says this, because that when they knew God, 
They glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Verse 24, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. And for this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of a woman, burned in their lust toward one, one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which were not convenient. You can reject God just so many times and then He will give you over to whatever you choose above Him. Because God does not force us to live for Him. God wants us to live for Him because we love Him. No, like we're supposed to love Him, you know, with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul. He wants us to live for Him because we love Him. He's never forced anybody to do anything. I see the same thing in the year 2022 in the people of St. Joseph. People just insisting, having their own way, making their own decisions apart from any influence from God or the Bible. They don't want anything to do with what we do here. But we need to keep telling them, don't we? Come on, we we need to keep reaching out to them. And the sad part of it all is that the price, they're going to pay the price for doing those things sooner or later. So we have to continue to try to get the truth to them. But for us that are here right now, what will you do? with the truth that we have here, what will you do? Have you rejected God and what He wants for your life? Are you rejecting God continually? Why not make a different decision today? Joshua 24, 15 says this, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a good decision, Mom, Dad. That's a great decision. Absolutely. Well, how come? Because that which we allow in moderation, our children will do in excess. Where are the dedicated men, women, boys, and girls that will stand up and make the same decision that Joshua made? We will serve the Lord. Where are the dads and moms that will will determine to raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? 
Why not come to an altar even this morning and dedicate the rest of your life and all of your family to God's way? Quit trying it your way. God has a perfect plan for you. Just yield to Him. You'll never regret it. I promise you that's right. Would you bow your heads with me? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. No one looking around in respect of the Lord for just a moment, please. Thank you.